the sharks go quietly into the night and the season quietly fades into the history books with this two to nothing loss against the Seattle Kraken. This being Seattle's first uh, three game win against a single franchise in their history. All that and more after this. But first, if you want to be a part of the show and teal together and interact with us, check us out across all of the social media platforms. Check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, of course, the YouTube chat. We've got uh, we've got SoundCloud, we've got Reddit, all the shenanigans that go on the Discord. I think we got Audible in the background somewhere, <laughs> and everything else at tealtownusa.com. I'm pleased to be joined by. Uh, Mark Eisenberg. Mark, how are you doing this evening? Well, late evening for you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not bad. Not bad. Um, It's a little depressing. The season's over, you know, Um, not be able to watch the Sharks now until October. But overall, overall, not bad. You know, another season in the books. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just uh, just another one that goes goes into the books, and you know we'll end up seeing what happens and develops uh, this off season because it's going to be very very interesting. Uh, but we'll do a quick rundown of the game. Uh, of course, the Sharks uh, would be facing the Kraken on the second of a back to back. You've got uh, Kapokakin in net. Uh, Yanni Gord starts out the scoring at 6 minutes and 17 seconds in that first uh, Kuhlman and uh, Chalovsky. Uh, oh, my goodness. They were saying Chalovsky uh, during the, the broadcast. So yeah. Not okay. sure if that's the right way to go with it. But. Yeah, they're getting their assist there for, for Yanni Gord's 21st of the season. And uh, Yanni Gord, a, a, a nice... Uh, Nice little find, you know, going through the Sharks uh, organization there for a little bit and then heading over to Tampa and doing some good things over there. And uh, he ended up in Seattle, but putting together a nice little campaign for himself, especially on a expansion franchise that's not loaded with a lot of offensive talent. The second goal of the period would be scored by Adam Larson, and that would be his eighth on the season. Uh Alexiak and, and Berniers with the assist there that came at 1831 and that would be the scoring for the first period yeah let me take a look here and see pretty one-sided play overall too yeah pretty one-sided play I'm just kind of looking at the penalties and, and just kind of looking at the possession stats as well in that first period and honestly I mean it just kind of felt like the Sharks were mailing it in. I mean, that's that's the vibe I got as soon as they hit the ice. What 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 do you think, Mark? Yeah, I didn't see really any energy from them. Um, the passing looked atrocious. Seattle seemed to carry the play pretty much the entire period. Um, I didn't love cacking it in that first period. He got better as the game went on. Um I'm not going to blame him for both goals. Neither one was unstoppable, and neither one was a, necessarily a shot that necessarily needed to be stopped. Um, but I feel like it definitely wasn't as good of his performances from the prior um, 
not the last game he was in, but the games before that, that nice stretch he had. Yeah. And I think the other thing that really kind of bothered me was just how lackadaisical they were through the neutral zone. It just seemed like they were playing with a lot of, um, I, I don't know. I just felt, felt like they, there was just too much coasting in the neutral zone. There wasn't a lot of back checking and I just felt like it was very uncontested. You know what I mean? And the sharks for the most part this year have done a good job of, um, you know, stymieing up the neutral zone and using it as, as a, as a way to slow down an offensive onslaught. And I just kind of felt like, you know, the Kraken just kind of went into the zone, did as they did, you know, maybe had a couple you know, shots here or there, um, you know, scored a couple of times in that first period and kind of just lulled them to sleep. <laughs> yeah. And I had to check the stats too, cause I really honestly haven't watched Seattle much this year, except for when they've played the sharks. Um, they're just not a terribly exciting team at the moment, other than the fact that they're a franchise, uh, expansion franchise. Um, and when I've watched them play the Sharks, they just always seem like such a good defensive. They're getting good goaltending. And then you look at their stats, and it's like the rest of the league is – they're not doing that. All their goalies are above three goals a game. Their save percentages are below 900. It's like what what are the Sharks bringing out of this team when they play them to make them actually look like a good club? Yeah. Yeah, I, I I I don't know, but we've got some we've got some stuff coming in um, from the post game. I mean, Bob Bugner really reiterating kind of what we've already had here. We really never found our game. Looked like we were tired. A lot of frustration after 81 games. Uh, next quote coming in: There were a couple of chances where we could have turned it around, but we just didn't get it done. You could see there were a lot of guys that just weren't sharp. Not a lot in the tank, and we lost a lot of battles in the D zone. Both teams looked a little checked out, to be honest. The earlier games took a lot out. Hearts maybe not in it tonight. Well, I mean that's kind of sums it up. Yeah, 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 definitely. And kind of disheartening because you got some guys that, you know, got some question marks coming back into next year. And you, you wonder, okay, is is um, is a guy like Barabanov, who we all really like, I mean, is he going to be signed? You know, is is he going to get an offer from the Sharks? Um, or... A guy like, um, I don't know, because you, you still have Benino for another year and you still have uh, Nieto for another year. And you kind of want those guys to also feel pushed as well. I don't know. Just this one left a real sour taste in my mouth. But the uh, shots on goal in that first period were 4-12 to 12 in favor of Seattle. Kind of looked like it. Um, in that second period, uh, there wouldn't be any scoring, um, and it ended up being 11 to six in favor of the Sharks. Uh, in the third period, the uh, Kraken would uh, have 13 shots on goal, and the Sharks would only have nine shots on goal. So for a total of 31 to 24 in favor of the Kraken, 58% on faceoffs for the Kraken. Uh, Sharks go over two on the power play. Kraken go uh, over on theirs. Uh, Sixteen hits to fourteen in favor of the Sharks. Uh, Ten blocks to nineteen blocks on the Kraken. 
and both teams have five giga, uh, five giveaways. And um, taking a look at the three stars, uh, Drieger gets the uh, the first star. You know, he's got the shutout, so that's uh, first of the season. Yeah, first shutout. First shutout of the season. Yep. Larson and uh, Coleman get the other stars of the evening. And that pretty much about does it. <laughs> yeah. I, I really wish the Vegas game had been our last game of the season because, like, a performance like that, you end the season on that, that would have been a little uplifting, some excitement, you know, something just to leave on a positive note. But uh, this, the performance tonight was just like, oh, my God, what am I watching? It was just brutal. Um, the the power play that I, I mentioned, um, I tweeted about earlier, just the, the power play in the second period, that five on three, was just beyond frustrating to watch because it, it was like zero creativity, slow movement. No, did they get one shot on goal, two shots on goal? Maybe. Yeah. It was a minute plus. Um, everything was either blocked or wide, and it was the same play every time. Move the puck around until you can find Burns with an open shot, and it's just so predictable. And it's just so it's a lot of what we've been seeing for a long time with the Sharks on that power play. Um, it was just frustrating really frustrating i mean it was good to see bordolo on there but uh that, that that power play really pissed me off and then just the performance like as a whole as you said the all game just brutal yeah just really really brutal uh we've got a uh live wild puck guy on the scene <laughs> <laughs> oh isn't that the truth um yeah guys can, can I can I riff for just a moment? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, look, can I? <laughs> yeah, because we're we're. I mean, look, for me at least, I'm apathetic at this point. That's all I'll say about that. You can be apathetic about it, uh, especially how they've lost this. You know, lost these last two nights. Um, but this team looked like they were ready to go golfing in Maui. This team looked like they didn't give a crap. They just wanted to get their butts home, do their exit interviews, get out and go for it. Um, I mean, the first home shutout in Seattle Kraken history. You lose three to four to an expansion team. You lose, what, where they rank 30th in the league? Rank 30th in the league? Yeah. And, and you're going to give a damn for a team that's supposed to go that's supposed to have playoff aspirations, you know, because we're not rebuilding guys. We're, we're not rebuilding. So if we're not rebuilding, what are we doing? What are we doing? Why are you not putting Rudolph Balsers out there? You're putting Relaine freaking Peterson out there for the whole time. And then you wonder why you can't do a five on three, which looked more disgusting than a Vegas Jersey in the building tonight. You know, I, I it just, it, I mean, my God, I mean, what are you doing? I mean, poor Kakinen has played his butt off in this time, and he's got what one, two wins to show for it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what are what are we doing? At, yeah. at this point, you got to check everything. And I know there's no GM right now. Joe will. Oh, excuse me for AJ and Jerk. Joe will. You know, uh, you need to really figure out what the heck is going on with this team yeah you got some some bright stars coming but give a damn well we're gonna do a, that was unacceptable yeah i mean we're gonna do a memoriam on the season because um you know at this point 
it, it's over it's done you know i think we can we can finally say we waded through um something that was difficult to watch especially you know come december and january um really just some some real tough stretches of hockey to watch and you know you've got the the whole drama surrounding uh you know a certain player during the season which really i mean from from the get-go that being put and that kind of toxicity being in the locker room to start out the season i question that i i question that and and we don't know you know if there were any kind of indicators we don't have any kind of 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 vision into that but it was a distraction going into the off season from the season prior and there were allegations that came out during the summer that compounded everything and that being a a, a big weight on the shoulders of the organization and and i think to have that 4-0 start was so uplifting because of what had been going on and what was going around the team and then for them to just piss that goodwill away so quickly was was for me the most disheartening because you know i i had said going into this season i had set my expectations at look if we battle for a wild card just just be in the hunt for one you know i that would be good enough for me because i still think think that this is a rebuilding you know it's a, it's kind of a remeshing and, and a reinjection of of life into the into this dying corpse um but that being said i still wanted them to be competitive i i still wanted i wanted a kid like borderlo to come up into an organization that is known for winning that is known for you know producing great talent you know for having a track record of taking a you know an undersized kid from wisconsin and in making him a superstar you know what i mean it's 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 those kinds of things that i want instilled in the youngins and with the bipolar up and down nature of this season i'm left with more questions about where the young guys are than maybe where I started. Yeah, I mean, it, you got it right about the up and down all season. I mean, they were competitive for a little while there. I think the worst part about all of this is that despite the fact that it looked like a pretty crappy season, right, we still aren't even in the top 10 draft picks unless we miraculously win lottery with 3% odds. Like, it. It, it, it's kind of tough to look going in because you're almost at that point looking like you were close to being a playoff team, but the Sharks really weren't. We didn't sniff the playoffs the final three months of the season. So it, it's a tough way to end the season specifically after that hot start that you mentioned where I think all Sharks fans kind of got some excitement, like some belief. The team looked good. Some of the young players looked good early on, and it's like, okay, we got the Eklund excitement early on in the season. And then I just feel like once he got sent back to Sweden, that's where the, the ill will started. Just, yeah, that's where it started to really. Tank. I think the excitement got sucked kind of out of the organization as well as the fans. Yeah, because time. it looked like the guys were having fun playing with mm-hmm. Dolan, or excuse, with, with Dolan with was Ek- having fun, but with playing yeah. with Eklund, and yeah. and um, 
I mean, you don't ever want to bring a guy up too quickly. But if you also see a team gelling around a guy as well, you, you don't want to mess with that as you know that being a, a component because who knows maybe if the team keeps Eklund in does that give us maybe four or five more wins in those one goal games you know what I mean and and mm-hmm. if he's being brought up in an organization that's fighting for a wild card instead of languishing like he did over back in Sweden you know it, it could have been a misstep. It could have been a misstep by the organization. Um, but uh, Burge, we, we left it up long enough. I'm sorry I didn't get to it earlier. <laughs> um, super chat donation. Uh, why can't the Sharks management commit to a, uh, a teardown rebuild like the Rangers, Kings, and Leafs, then be back in the playoffs? Otherwise, no pain, no gain, and we will be back in some spot next year. Well, I mean, you have no you you hit it on the nail there, Burge, with with looking no further than the Kings and and how they've resculpted around the carcass that was the Stanley Cup champion teams and 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 how they've just turned it over in a certain you know shark defenseman doing a great job being a GM there. So, um, I mean, Puck guy, sum up the season for yourself and 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 for where where your expectations were and 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 kind of where the sharks ended up falling for you all right so you know they are talking about competing for a playoff spot and i think that's what what a lot of sharks management was saying uh you get off to a 4-0 start you get off to a great october where we i mean let's remember this part people <laughs> the the sharks won in toronto and the Leafs fans were throwing their jerseys on the ice. <laughs> yep. That's, yep. that's how painful, how great it was. I mean, we talk about when Eklund was, you know, sent back to Europe. I, I mean, honestly, there's, to me, I think the big one, the Detroit game, where you give up two shorthanded goals. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they won three in a row after that. I mean, they, they might, they, well, they might have won one in that time, but I don't think they got anywhere beyond, you know, like a four game winning streak outside that first part of the year. I mean, you had some injuries. I'll give him that. Hey, kudos to the Sharkakuda. Remember that guy in gang, you know, where, where the last minute HL crew came up and salvaged the, everything. Yeah. They held yeah. the fort down. They really did. Yeah. I mean, think what they were three, two, and one at that time. I mean, kudos all around. The power play. What are you doing with all that offensive firepower? Couture, Meyer, Hurdle, Carlson, Burns. Later on, Bordalo. You know, it's just like you can't let that happen. I mean, great to see Timo Meyer with the five goal game, and we have the poll going on there. Not to not to start it early, but if you join in the chat and explain, you know, what what was your favorite moment of the season? But in Denver Doyle saying it right now, you're just not going to win consistently with Nieto in your top six. And granted, Benino caught fire at the end of this run. I mean, thank God. <laughs> just it's just frustrating because you know, getting into the zone tonight was bad and scott mcauliffe saying right there you know uh 
it's it's frustrating, you know. So right. ba- or, yeah, and Dana saying or starting Nieto in overtime, you know, um, because yeah. you're basically reacting to to their to your opponent's stars. Yeah, I mean, I think I left this season more frustrated with coaching than I did last season. And to me, there are some real head scratchers in deployment. Real, real, some real head scratchers. And if Bob Bugner expects to be head coach of this team next season, and Brent Burns is still on this roster along with Eric Carlson, he needs to understand that Brent Burns is not a 26-minute-a-night player anymore. And maybe that special relationship with Burns is kind of clouding some judgment there. And I wonder if it's not time for a fresh set of eyes. And I know that we've we, we've talked a little bit about about canning the coach or reshuffling or the GM bringing in their new players or, or or whatever, you know. And Joe Will saying, "Oh, Bob Bugner is you know safer next year or whatever." But I mean, guys, I I, I just felt like this was almost the effort was better on a night to night basis i will give you that but structurally i think it was worse than last season i i do feel more positive about the team i mean tonight sucked but aside from tonight i feel more positive this season about the team than i did i think following last season um, I think if you had this team play last season's team in a, a seven-game series, this year's team wins probably like four games to two. But that being said, I think I 100% agree with your point about Bugner. And I, I mean, I can't see a GM coming in and wanting him to still be the coach. Like, the, usually when you change GMs, it means you're changing coaches too. And I feel like Bugner was probably fighting for a job these last couple of months, and it seemed to prove that he's worthy. And I just don't see the evidence. I mean, I, I love his support of Bordelow, throwing Bordelow into all situations. But, I mean, aside from that, it's just too little too late with so many different things and his obsessions with certain players that I just don't understand. They, they um, were last. They were the, the stat that blows my mind. They were last in the league in five on five scoring. Mm-hmm. Last yeah. in the league in five on five scoring, which is supposed to be. You know, being a net positive five on five is what Bugner's specialty was supposed to be for being a defensive minded coach. And and I, I will give you there is a lack of talent there for sure that this this roster is is missing a lot of, you know, a lot of pieces to the to the puzzle. But you also got to wonder if maybe tweaking some things structurally offensively can could have jump started some of these guys you know what i mean and instead of shelling so hard in, in so many different situations I, I i think the style of play that he wanted to implement he didn't have the players to implement that so you saw him grasping at kids like you know uh petterson or or um you you looked at um 
Gadjevich. Gadjevich. But I also was thinking of, of the center as well. Um, uh, it'll come to me, guys. But at this point, I don't know that he's going to change his style, and I don't know that he's going to change the way in which he deploys things. And if he goes into next season doing the same things as which he's doing this this season, then how can you expect anything different? We, we've consistently seen lackluster offense year after year after year. Buckeye, it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> You're good. No. Hey, th- this is why we have this last show, is we just, you know... T- Pull out the, you know, take down the hair, whip it out, and just, you know, have a finally, you know, finally let it all come out. Um, you know, the the thing to me is that there were times where this team got up. Like, let's be honest, they were really psyched for the for the Vegas game, you know, and that's great. But after that, how do they do? Um, you gotta get you gotta get your team up every night. You have to get the team up every night. There, there's no excuses to taking nights off. Um, is Bugner the guy? It remains to be seen. I think there, there's, there's half of me that says, yeah, he was dealt a rough hand, and you can put that on management. You could put that on, on the salary cap situation. But at the same time, um, you know, you got dealt that hand. And there are going to be people who think that coaches, you know, need to be, you know, a leader, follow through and inspire them play. Uh, I, I didn't see too much of that. Um, I, I wonder with the the players that are coming in with like Bordalo, Co, uh, Robbins where they're going to be a fast, they're going to be an offensive-minded, they're going to be a fancy, talented team. Uh, Yes, you know, they're going to need to learn how to play defensively, and I think defense is probably the weakest weakest part of this team right now. Let's be honest. Reimer, who should have been the team VP, saved your ass. Uh, Mark, you had a great tweet the the other night putting up Kakinen's, you know, save percentages. He's played fantastic, just hadn't gotten the goal support. Like tonight, you know, you need better breakouts out of your own zone. You need to get in into the zone because Seattle was all over you tonight. And all, all that aside, I mean, come on. Give a damn. Back to you, Landy. yeah i mean there's not really much more to say than that but i'm just looking here at the sharks five on five goals they scored 143 this season five on five and if we take a look at uh the florida panther florida panthers being the uh best team in the league 219 um let's take a look at that i want to see what that looks like over the last three seasons uh prior to that the Sharks were 28th in scoring uh, for 2021. Let's see here. And 19. It sucked. Yeah. Let's, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 28th, 29th, and you know 30. Consistently bad. 
consistently bad and and it's not we're, we're not even seeing like baby steps in, in incremental baby steps to get better it, it's just completely flatlined yeah yeah i mean the only thing that i think i noticed this year improvement from a team perspective over last year not just on an individual perspective was kind of it seemed like they did have more of that team feel back um as you mentioned they dealt with some drama after last season and we're not going to get into too much of him but this team did feel more like a team this year now that obviously doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win games you still got to have talent you still got to play well but they definitely seem to play for each other especially at certain times um this year which definitely was an improvement over prior season or two um so i liked that and obviously the penalty kill was amazing um but not a ton else when you look at the whole like team umbrella is really much improved yeah yeah and i'm i'm just guys i'm looking through through the stats on on the individual players at this point and, and you know Timo Meyer leading the leading the Sharks uh, this season with 76 points in 77 games, 35 goals and 41 assists would end up being what he scored this season. I think it you know it caps off of a really good season for Timo individually. I think he grew a lot as a player this season, especially playing with Hurdle and developing a newfound uh, you know chemistry with Hurdle. I think it also boosted Hurdle's uh, output as well because he would end up playing uh, 82. Uh, did he play? He played all 82 games, I think. And uh, 30 goals and 34 assists. At NHL.com hasn't updated yet on player individual stats yet, I don't think. But uh, 64 points uh, this season. So good to see Hurdle and Timo really bounce back, especially bouncing back on a, on a team that didn't have as much uh, offensive um, offensive cohesion around them really until Barabanov came in and, and started to click with them um, and just interesting to see how again Bugner would split up Barabanov from those guys from time to time or he would break Timo out uh, with you know uh, Couture from time to time and um, I think for the majority of the season, though, we saw their best play come together. And, and those three coming together, I think they really formed a solid identity as a line. Um, and, and I hope to see that next season and, and that be deployed as the top line. Uh, Puckeye, what did you what did you end up seeing from from Hurdle and, Hurdle and Timo? And, and you, do you think that they overall brought it this season? And um, where do you think they end up, you know, in the exit interviews? Well, I think both should be commended for being the majority of the offense this year. I think Timo, uh, I remember seeing it like a couple of weeks ago on the broadcast where Timo had a hand in either in a goal or first assist on like 38% of the, uh, of the goals that the Sharks had this year. If that's you know inaccurate, please correct me in the chat. But I mean, that's nice to have. But here's one problem. As much as Timo and Hurdle... Uh, do their job and get goals. Where's everybody else? You know, and it, it's unfair to Logan Couture to have um, Matt Nieto and and Benino on the sides. I mean, this is where you kind of miss having, you know, uh, Balsers or or a uh, Gregor LeBanc or, or LeBanc. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean, this I is... think he kind of struggled with with that too, and that's that's not fair to Couture in in the in that sense per se. But um, you, you definitely need the secondary scoring, and you definitely need it five on five. That should be the Sharks' focus going in the off season, along with having defense <laughs> kind of balancing things out. Yeah, Logan Couture this season and NHL.com finally updated the stats would play 77 games, 23 goals, and 33 assists for 56 points. Uh, you know, Logan went through real, real tough stretches where he was snake bit. I think he was also not healthy all season as well. And um, again, being a force fed, a steady diet of, of Matt Nieto on the wing. And, and like we, we love Matt Nieto and what he brings in his casted role, but miscasted. A miscasted player is still a miscasted player. Uh, Mark, I mean, what what are your thoughts between Logan and and the rotations just in and around his line, and real the the real struggle to find any kind of cohesion with anybody that ended up going on his line, maybe outside of Dolan for some few stretches. Yeah, so I actually think Couture is another one who his his stats he definitely trailed off the second half of the season. I know he started the season pretty hot. Uh, I was going to look up his numbers, but I think he was at a point-per-game pace through the first couple months. And I think it was – was it him, Dolan, and Meyer, I think, who started the season together? And I thought they formed a pretty good line when they were together. And I, and maybe it was Meyer carrying that line to some degree because I don't think anyone coming into this season after the way he was last season thought he's going to be as elite as he was. Um, but I actually thought Couture had started the season really good. Um, and I think some of the judgment on him probably isn't going to be fair because of if you look at the line mates he's been paired with for a better portion of the season. Um, so I'm actually not really soured on Couture. I think he's more of a second line player these days than a top line guy. Um, you got your Meyer and Hurdle as your top line guys. And then you have Couture is kind of like that second liner. I think Barabanov kind of fix, fits into a second line mold, but he complements Meyer and Hurdle really well so he can form that first line and round it out. Um, but yeah, the offense stops there. I mean, you have no other consistent performers on this team. You got some bright moments at the end of the season from Gregor. You got some bright, bright moments early in the season from Dolan. Um, and well, you got, I'll, I'll go through it real quick here. Uh, on the blue line, you've got Brent Burns. He's next on the scoring fourth, uh, on the team, yep. uh, with 10 goals and 44 assists, uh, for Burnsy again, averaging 26 minutes per night, uh, over 82 games. I just I don't know how he does that. Um, and, and then right after him is is uh, Alexander Barabanov. He had 39 points in 70 games played, uh, 10 goals, 29 assists, and really came on the scene, I would say, late and, and became kind of uh, a, a fixture, I would say probably post-January play um, on that, that line with Timo and with Hurdle. And, and again, brought stability there, like like you had said, Mark. Um, for me, that's just just not enough, though. I mean, your top five, you got a seventy-six point player, sixty-four point player, fifty-six point player, fifty-four point player, and thirty-nine point player. Like, that's a pretty big drop off from four to five. Go, to go from fifty-four points to thirty-nine points, where where are the the supporting cast? You know, in the forties. Um, 
I'm looking I, I look square at number six on the team. And and this 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 to me if this player is not skating on thin ice for everybody else, I, I just I don't know I at this point I don't know what more excuses we can make for him. But uh Eric Carlson, uh sixth on the team, fifty games played, ten goals, twenty five assists for thirty five points. Uh, just not good enough. Just not good enough. Uh, Puck guy, I mean, where are you at with Carlson? What 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 is left of this player? He's got a great first name. <laughs> he spells it the right way. Um, his hair is phenomenal. Um, you know, I was really excited when he when he got acquired in San Jose. Uh, and, and that first year, and even, you know, let's not forget the infamous hand pass. Uh, he was the recipient of it to get the Sharks within six wins of the big shiny thing. Ever since then, it, you know, it's been a struggle for him to stay healthy. It's been a struggle with him, you know, coming in night and night out. I mean, has, has he been worth uh the money that he's been paying, uh, excuse me, not even close. Um, and, and like I said, I've been a big proponent. I've been a big supporter of Carlson. Uh, I think me and Hockey Trick have been in there for it. Um, but you need better. You need better. And that that doesn't go for just Carlson. That goes for everybody. Well, and, I mean, and, the next player on the list was also another guy that came in with a little bit more expectation uh, than what he ended up producing. But Nick Benino, with 80 games played, 16 goals, 10 assists for 26 points on the season. Another guy that you go, okay, you know, he's normally good for 30 points in the bank. And um, being a stabilizing force in your in your top nine or, or bottom six, however you want to call it, but but being a specialist there and and really being able to drive play from the bottom up and I didn't see any of that this year. He looked mismatched against most third lines out there. It, it, but kudos to him for getting the goal production going. I mean, how long was that Schneid? What he scored his first goal in January and finishes with sixteen. I mean, it, it's a great run, and I wish I could pull up the the stats really quick for it, but. Uh, I mean, he was probably one of the hotter Sharks forwards uh, going down the going down in the second half of the year, which is great because you're getting great value from him, you know, from for what he's what he's worth. Um, you know, if, if the Sharks want to dangles dangle somebody, that maybe you get something out of it because of how he looks good in the off season as a sweetener. Who knows? But if you have him back. And it's a nice to have, but at the same time, you know, make sure you put him in the right spot. Now, is fourth line the spot? I don't think so. I think the third line's probably the best, but it also depends on who's coming in and who's going out uh, next season. It, it really does, and, and he's going to be one of those key pieces that's going to help the leadership in this locker room, this veteran presence in in the uh, in the dressing room next season. I mean. You give him kudos for what he did the second half, but that also shows, okay, if Benino's stepping up, where are you? Where is everybody else? 
Mark, what what's your thoughts on Benito and, and his season this year? Yeah, so I, I'm mixed feelings, but I will say I, I can forgive um, some of his shortcomings, mostly because of the positives he did bring in some aspects and also the fact that he's not like a huge setback in terms of salary cap. Um, but he, I looked at the numbers, he's fourth on the team in total shorthanded time on ice. So he was a huge influence on the PK. He's the second most time on ice of the forwards. Um, and I think he did look better in the final stretches of the season when he had, you know, Couture with him um, and he did get hot. So, I mean, when we signed him, I thought he'd be a guy who could put up maybe 15 to 20 goals on the third line and then, you know, 30 to 40 points and kind of stabilize that third line. He didn't do that when he was on the third line. So that was one of the negatives there. It took a kind of a late season stretch where he's really hot to kind of boost those numbers and make him look a lot better. Um, but I actually don't really have negative feelings towards him. I think he'll be fine to keep for the roster next year and then possibly use his trade bait maybe towards the deadline um, for someone who's looking for a veteran. Yeah, and and that brings me to my uh, to my next point here on on the next set of forwards, score wise, uh, eight, nine, and ten scoring is uh, Rudolph Balsters, Noah Gregor, and Jonathan Dolan with twenty three points uh, for both uh, Balsters and Gregor. Jonathan Dolan with twenty two points. All three of them playing over sixty games. Balsters with sixty one games. Gregor with sixty three, and Dolan with sixty one. And those three players, if I look at where more needs to come from, where more production just needs to come from, if this team has any aspirations of pulling out of, of the, the tailspin that it's in organizationally, you know, in the trajectory of, of the franchise, those players, those young players have to start to step up and carry the load a little bit more. Puckeye? Bingo. But go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Puckeye. But I say oh, bingo to that. Yeah, I was going to say, it's kind of it's kind of a situation where in 97, when Patrick Marlowe came in, along with Marco Sturm and Andre Zuzan, you're looking for that, that trio to come in, and they, they don't have to necessarily dominate, but start being the building pieces. And I think that's more than anything, I think, for the season – Let's be honest. They say they weren't rebuilding, so you're thinking playoff spot. But you want to see the little. You want to see those. This team take that next big step. I think they took a small step. And where they're where they want to be. But yeah, you need those kids to come up, and you need those kids to be guided properly. I know Gen X in the chat, and Gen X, it was great to see you today. Thank you for. Uh, showing me and Amanda around the museum and pop culture. Um, but you're saying about Rasamer, this team needs to be on the same page. And I'll use one of the things that uh, Hetty uses on the broadcast. Communication is free. And I saw it tonight. It didn't look like they were communicating at all. You know, passes were being bad, clearing out. You had to aggressively ice the puck down because you're stuck in your own zone for a bit but also you need you all need to work together hey hashtag teal together you know uh to be a better team to bring out the best in you 
get that desire back, get that passion, you know, in the locker room at, at Sharks Ice, exceed expectations. Well, you want to hear something sad. I mean, something sad is Thomas. The Sharks Bord- power play. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Back Th- to you, Wendy. Thomas Bordalo ends up being sixth on the list of points per game played. Now, he only played eight games, of course. And, uh, you know, you look at you look at this guy and you go, OK, let's not put too much pressure on the kid. But he certainly looks like he's got the goods, Mark. And, and one of the kids that, you know, we are excited for. Um, I mean, Kevin, Kevin bringing it up in the chat, you know, he did. He said the kid did take the kids did take a step forward. But the kids that were there this season are not kids. You're building your top six around besides Bordalo. Exactly. I think that that's kind of the point. And I think Denver Doyle also somewhere in the chat, he was asking, you know, about those kind of tweener players like what, you know, it, it's it's put up or shut up time for for these tweener players. And and again, if the Sharks have aspirations of trying to do this on the fly and trying to you know, convince themselves and the rest of the league that they're not rebuilding, then they need to do a better job of cutting ties with just guys, you know, just guys on the pond, you know, like they, the, the talent uh, development, I think once they get, I think the drafted portion of the development pipeline has been fixed, but I think now for me, the bigger part of the organizational need for fixing is, is like Puckeye had said, minor leagues, I think, Got to maybe take a, a strong look at strength and conditioning. Um, you know, Mike Potenza had been doing it, has been doing it for a long time. Um, but I also wonder if his staff needs to be augmented with, you know, maybe some more specialized care for a person like Eric Carlson, who's got, you know, specialized injuries. Who knows? But you know, at, at, at times this team did feel like maybe not the right amount of of um rest to to um rest to play ratio you know i i was concerned a little bit about the burnout especially during the covid uh that that covid train portion of the season you know where you had the covid express coming up from from um from the barracuda so it's tough, but I think that there needs to be some some wholesale changes, and not only just within the coaching staff, but I think across the organization. Yeah, and I think going back to your comment, I, I think this is actually kind of where the Sharks' problems lie. Like a lot of people like to talk about Couture's contract or Burns's contract, but I mean these guys are producing somewhat within the range of their contract. But when you look at the Sharks' tweener players those fringe players, it's been a problem for years. And I think Lacey here with his comment kind of hit the nail on the head. We're kind of forcing some of these guys into potential roles where they just do not belong. And I and I think we're expecting them to elevate a fr- the franchise in a way they're not capable of. You look at the guys you're talking about, Balsers, Gregor, and I even throw in Dolan into that group. I don't think these guys are difference makers. If anything, they're depth, and I don't think they're providing consistent scoring. And I think consistency is the key. You look at Gregor, great end to the season. I think him he fit in with Ballsters very well. Dolan had a great start to the season. 
problem is, um, and Balsters too, he at random points in the season was very good. But I think some people like need to open their eyes to these players a little bit more and jump a little bit off like the fanboy train because these guys, they've all had opportunities on higher lines to secure a spot. And at some point, they all lost it. And that's not all just on Bugner. I mean, there have been times we've questioned his decisions, but these guys have not forced him to keep them in those lines. You watch Bordalo who comes in. I mean, he's forcing himself in the lineup. He's looked like an NHL player. He's looked like he could be a top six player. Yep. But the other names we're talking about, Gregor, Balsters, Dolan, I'm not sold on any of these guys personally. Like, I like some of the skill sets they have, but skills can only take you so far. You have to produce. You have to be a guy who's forced to be in the lineup through their play. And I'm just not seeing that from these guys on a consistent basis. When, and with how Noah scored with Prince Albert and, you know, being a second round pick and being a guy that is looked at as, okay, you know, you need to be a, a player with some scoring touch. It concerns me that it took as long as it did for him to heat up. And, and that's concerning. And, and you hope that breaking through the ice here at the end of the season, you know, helps elevate next season but like you i'm i'm left with questions there myself and and it's like okay is it is it time to cut bait with a guy who's already had let's take a look at his, his number of games played at this point he's got noah gregor first career i think it's somewhere like 120 games played 120 games is a lot to figure out yep. with a uh, with a guy and only 34 points for a scoring specialist guy, I'm not gonna cut it. Puck guy. I mean, I I get, I totally get that. And and again, you you need to exceed expectations, which is what I said before. <clears throat> Excuse me. You have a larger sample size on Noah Gregor. Obviously, he has a great finish. He has a great speed. Can shoot the heck out of puck. He can't get the finish. The th- that's been the shark psyche in their development system for 25, 30 years, you know, pretty much the entire time in Worcester. Yeah. And maybe even a little bit left in, in Cleveland and maybe a bit in Kentucky. You know, there have been times that, that, that they've shown great strength, but that being said, it's not like it's all, lost you know the guys that are supposed to come in are supposed to be the big guys now we said that a couple years ago when uh Chekovich and Shemilevsky were being hyped at at everything you know Kevin mentioning you know look at Lane Peterson best player on the ice almost every Barracuda game completely unnoticeable in the NHL this season that should tell you where the where some or the majority of the finger pointing should be as uh, they call it in a year and go through exit windows because maybe it's not it's not the player maybe it's how they're put in the lineup and for some of them you know they should be better they should be better you know yep and another guy that I can look at um, and I fully admit that I don't know if there's a bigger fanboy of John Leonard than me. I mean, everyone knows that, right? But, <laughs> such... it, it, but I mean, I was hoping he would take further steps this year. Now, it's all cool that he got the Barracuda Player of the Year. That's great. But, you know, 
through most of his time in the NHL, again, he wasn't really that noticeable. I mean, he looked better the last couple games before he got injured. But it's just I think the Sharks have too much of an abundance of these guys that um, are kind of just, are they NHLers? Are they not? Are they NHLers on a team like the Lightning? I, I don't think so, right? Like, they're NHLers right now because they're on the Sharks, and we don't have that depth. But I mean, it, it was pretty – to further your point, Mark, it was pretty – stark a contrast between the Sharks' top-rated prospects being Bortolo and and uh, Eklund. And, and you saw how when each of those players were injected into the lineup, you saw a noticeable lift in play by the entire team. And, and I don't – one, I don't think it goes unnoticed. And two, I, I think you see right before your eyes the level of talent in, in, in contrast between – you know they're they're top level guys and and they're they're tweener guys, you know mm -hmm. and and this that's you know it's clear as day. You know you 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 can look and and see on the ice as as to who the Sharks' top prospects were because the tops pros top prospects played like the top prospects. Um, jury's still out for me on Ryan Merkley's season as a total. Um, I think he showed some real good growth and and really good strides in his defensive game um but i also wonder a little bit if he <sighs> I, I i wonder if focusing on that defensive game hampered a little bit of his offense because we didn't see we we did see the vision and we did see some really in, you know good passing and in first passes and things like that through the neutral zone but I don't think we saw a full Ryan Merkley on display yet. I, I I think we're not even at quarter power. You know what I mean? And I'm just curious as to what is going to be the magic ingredient to unlock that player. Puckeye? I, I think Merkley had his moments. Uh, I think there were times where he got stuck out on the ice at times. I think where he kind of second-guessed himself and then that that pass would get in the way and that was a steal. I think that's that would be the same thing for Bordelow defensively for that matter, too. But I think you saw the signs a little bit. He's on his way. And, and honestly, I think more than anything, the Sharks fans and chat, tell me if I'm wrong, want to see the progression to getting back to where they are, where they were, where these kids get a chance because yeah. It's like you can have an assist or a goal in a game, but if you turn that puck over and, and it led to a chance, boy, how do you you were you were enjoying the popcorn in the press box quicker than I can say, um, release the kraken. Yeah, and that's and that's the thing is is that you got to give these guys a chance. You know, I mean, and Genex saying it, you know, Merkley needs to focus on the defense. You know, he can be another EK or Burnsy, um, but he can also, you know, that shouldn't hinder your offense. Yeah, I mean, look at a guy like Brent, or like a, excuse me, look at a guy like Boiler, you know, Danny Boyle brought it both, both ends of the ice, you know, and, and yeah, you know, he, he wasn't the best defender and yeah, he could, he could make himself look pretty foolish out there. I mean, we all remember uh, Colorado, a certain uh, puck in his own net, but 
you know, he was a guy that continually worked at his craft, a, a guy that continually brought it every year. Um, you know, somebody who wasn't afraid to look at his own game and go, I need to do better in this, or I need to um, really focus on this particular portion of my game. And I, and I hope that Ryan Merkley goes into this off season with the mindset of, okay, I got the taste. I got the cup of coffee. You know, now I, I don't want to go back. You know, I, he needs to have, you know, the, the same mentality that Noah Gregor had, you know, 60 games ago where it's like, look, your time to shine is, is only so long, you know, and you got to make the best of your, of your, um, of your viewing up at, up in this level of hockey. Mark, I mean, what, what are your thoughts on, on, um, you know, just how Merkley developed and, uh, you know, where, you know, where he goes from there. Yeah. Um, I was definitely impressed with his offensive puck handling abilities. Um, my, my situation is I want to see more production. Um, I mean, look, he was, I know it was a game difference there, but he was literally outscored by Magna and Malash who are literally like the punching bags of the franchise right now. Um, Merkley at times looks elite, but I just want to see it more from a production standpoint where it results in goals, it results in assists, and some of that can be the weaknesses up front. I mean, you think about back when Burns was putting up almost 20-something goals and 70, 80 points in a season. It was because he had guys like Pavelski and some of those other higher talents up front. But Merkley just he's going to be an offensive defenseman, right? Like he's never going to be a Vlasic, right? We're not going to confuse him with that. We need him to be an offensive defenseman and to be an offensive defenseman, you have to produce offense. So I want to see more of that, but I am optimistic for next season. I mean, even his production with the Barracuda in his second season, it escalated, um, which was this season. Um, so I'm hoping that next year he'll come in. I think he should continue to add some strength, even though he did a ton of that last off season. Um, but he definitely looked to me like he's an NHL defenseman. It's just to what level can he go? You know, is this guy going to turn into – I always thought he might turn into like a Tory Krug type who's an offensive specialist with like kind of protected minutes. Um, and if he did turn into that kind of defenseman, that would be a great developmental track for the Sharks. That would be a good find. Um, but I think you need a lot more offense from him to put him in the same category as Tory Krug who's putting up 40, 50 points a season during his best years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Puck, it looks like you, you have something on your mind there. Uh, I, to me, I think it's just be having everybody be on the same page from the from the top to the bottom of this organization. I mean, I think we kind of saw, you know, here and there where it was clicking. But, it, you know, let, let's here. I'll get it out of the way for all of you. It's like my Internet connection. You want it to be smooth as possible for the entire year not have hiccups here and there yeah yeah nobody likes hiccups you're welcome chat back to you Lindy. <laughs> um a guy that it, you know did kind of impress me in his in his small sample size this season was Sasha Chemilevsky I'd like to see him get a little bit more time next season uh, up with the big club because right now through 24 games in the NHL he's got 10 points um, they're all assists, but I mean, this, that's, that's a good ratio for, for starting out. And, and, you know, I think this is a guy we looked at as, okay, 
him and Chekovic had been, you know, highly touted, you know, going through the system. And, and, and finally, it looks like Chemileski is, is starting to to um, figure it out. So, again, just kind of all goes back to development and the pipeline. And I look at, okay, you've got guys that should have good raw talent. I don't I don't know that they're any better coming out of you know their time in the AHL than you know going into it. That's what I'm concerned with. Mark, what, <clears throat> what thoughts on the development system? It's just it's so hard to point a finger at where the problem is. I mean, a exactly. I I've been saying for years that I think they need a new coach in the AHL and it's not even just because I think Roy is bad. It's just the dude's been in that role for too long like Guy probably just rolls into his um, office, puts his feet up on the desk. They've got like five wins in like 40 games, but he doesn't care. And it's just like, it's just too comfortable. They need to change some things up. And I think hopefully that could come with some of the front office changes that are happening now. Um, To be fair also to him, the AHL teams, the influx of talent that'll be coming in over the next couple of years is not equivalent to the influx of talent that we had the previous years. And we were constantly trading first round picks, trading second round picks. When we were taking those picks, they were in the later portion of the round. I mean, you even just said, Shemilevsky and Chekovich used to be our top two prospects. Think about that, whereas right now, you take the way they were at that time, they'd probably be like 10th on our prospect list right now. So, you know, it's it's what you have to work with. Um, I would love to see the Sharks. But for for that argument, I, I give you this. Yanni Gord. I mean, look at a guy yeah. like look at a guy like Yanni Gord who was in the Sharks system. By all accounts, had a pretty good season with Wooster, and um, you know, not really a lot of follow up there with him from the organization to you know bring him back. Goes to Tampa, and then he just lights on fire. Yep. And, and and so I look at that, and I go, okay. I look at how um, Mirko Mueller was handled and, and I look at um, his development path in the A and, and wonder if that didn't also contribute to his own you know, demise as a top prospect. Um, it's just I, I, I look at some of the raw talent that goes in and, and you just go, you're, you're, you're not getting anything out of it at this point. Yeah, I the last thing I'll say about the AHL teams and the development system, I would just love for the team to also just invest in that. And, you know, when is the last time the Sharks have had a winning AHL team? I think we made the playoffs a few years back. So I think I remember signing up for AHL TV because the Sharks weren't in and I think the AHL team was. So I was like, hey, I need to watch some Sharks hockey. But just invest. They have the new rink coming. Right. They Mm -hmm. are doing all these jersey things, which are going to be cool. Right. They need to invest in a team that actually wins because who the hell wants to go watch a team play and be the last place team in the league? They don't. So invest. And even if these are guys who are like journeyman AHLers, but they develop a winning culture in the AHL. I mean, that's what you want to groom some of these younger players with. And now they've got this huge influx of youth and talent coming into the AHL team. So, you know, bring in some AHL veterans, maybe keep a guy like Peterson down in the AHL. But like. Do something to make that team win so then they can bring up a winning culture up to the big club, too. You know, I think it helps. 
great point, Mark. I mean, you they're talking about a Barracuda resurgence with going into the new arena, uh, having the new jerseys. We saw one of them the other day. Uh, it, just have a change in attitude. Now, granted, this is the first year the Barracuda have missed the playoffs, but they really didn't do much uh, in those except for 2017, which I think is the one you're talking about when they made the conference finals losing to Grand Rapids. Uh, where they had the likes of Meyer and LeBanc in there. But you also had Colin Blackwell, who's currently going to play in the playoffs with the Toronto Maple Leafs. You also had Barkley Goodrow, who's currently going to be in the Rangers making the playoffs. You talked about Yanni Gord being in Tampa, winning a couple of cups. Saw him play tonight <laughs> against the Kraken in, in that in that beautiful facility they have. Um Oh, how was that, so by the way? I mean, like, let's talk about the, the in-game experience. Uh, so so first off, what, when did you get there? How was Lions getting in? All of that, con- the the um, concourse. Um, so, so, like, 180 here. <laughs> Sorry, gang. Uh, but we, uh, Amanda and I got in uh, Thursday afternoon. Um, we uh, did a nice little trek up to see how far we are we're, we're literally staying across the street from the space needle and it was maybe a five ten minute jaunt to climate pledge arena so for today uh you know we got up there after seeing gen x at the mopop and uh you know they have entryways all over the place so getting in is pretty cool once you're in the building though we were sitting in section 225 um there's really, you know, if you're in the in the 200s or the 100s, you're you're even level with where you're at with the street. Uh, going downstairs, you have four escalators and and two stairs. Um, if you're looking for a pretzel area and it's on the other side of the rink and there's there's no elevators or escalators up the other side, uh, you're 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 taking a, a jaunt, uh, you know, on a mission to get around there. But the facility is beautiful. Uh, the seats are tight, but they're very uh, they're very modern theater-like, so that's really nice. Uh, when we came in to the building, let me pull out all the stuff I have here. Um, you got a uh, inaugural member patch oh, wow. that they gave that. Um not to give an ad to Amazon, but you got $20 off at the Amazon Fresh store. Uh, and one of the one of the uh, ushers gave us this cracking crew pin. I'm not sure if that's going to come up on there. And as, as you left tonight, pardon my mic here, but you also got a, a free shirt as you left on out. So you have that. Oh, and by the way, everybody in the stands got a a climate pledge tote, uh, recyclable <laughs> tote that was apparently made out of a billboard for Amazon's climate pledge uh, program. That was all free that I got. Um, you know, so it was where are you uh, at sharks nice. where are you at <laughs> i'm not gonna say that but that's a beautiful facility they have a lot going on a lot of room to spread around i will say the upper concourse is pretty tight on the sides 
Um, you know, you, you talk about how tight the concourse can be at the Shark Tank at times. Uh, that could be really tight. Granted, you don't have 17,000, um, you know, in the way, but you're still really in a tight spot there. So, but it, it's a beautiful facility. I do you think they did the uh, renovations or set? How long do you think that building's extra life that got added with that renovation? It's got plenty of life. I think. Um, I, I think it's going to be really good. My concern is is that this team needs to get good quickly. I don't need. I'm not going to say like how Vegas was, but you know the thing. The thing is is that. Once this ownership group lands the Supersonics as an expansion franchise, um, it's going to be, to me, I think it's going to be concerning for for the Kraken because I think everybody is still in Gaga uh, with the Supersonics up here. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's my concern with it. Um, so I, I hope they, they've done a phenomenal job doing what they've done this season with getting out in the community um you know i've seen multiple things uh you know at their iceplex um and i will say this you know i've always preached loving seeing a full-on sea of teal in the same jersey uh and granted it's their first year but uh i it was realistically a full arena of navy kraken jerseys in there with the exception of a few hundred of the white so i i think i i think they're on their right way i i hope it gets better i would love to see how that place rocks during the playoffs and it was pretty loud in there tonight um it, it really is a nice place to see a hockey game and again like i said i i would love to when I know AJ's talked about having an LA Anaheim back-to-back series, I would love for them to have Seattle, a Seattle, Van- 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 oh yeah, yeah, and then just just find a find a nice hotel somewhere in the middle and go to go to a game in each. I, I'm not going to tell you where I'm staying because I would I would love to have the same hotel room again. Um, but the, and there was a lot of Sharks support out here tonight. Uh, ran into a number of fans uh, on hand. So uh, thank you all for stopping and saying hi. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it was definitely fun. And, uh, yeah, save up your money, people. Save up your money. Mark, I mean, uh, as, as far as what you could see from, one, I mean, uh, Seattle, but, two, I think you had firsthand experience on, on a building being re-renovated and, you know, coming back to life again in Madison Square Garden, I would assume that, you know, what what is the life expectancy of MSG now with the with the updates and basically gutting and re restuffing the carcass, so to speak? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a it's an iconic building, so I think they'll kind of always keep reworking it. Um, I didn't love some of the renovations i think the main if you think of the main bowl of the building it's great i do not like the bridges they added um i think they're kind of like a cool spectacle for people who are going to games um and want to see a different like bird's eye view but the problem is they've kind of cut out a lot of the experience from the upper portion of the bowl so um i forget the numbers i don't know if it's the 300 section um but what you would think of as like the blue seats the famous blue seats at the garden 
you're you're pretty much staring at the back of the bridge now. So and the noise just doesn't travel quite the same. I mean, I've argued that Rangers games experience over the last like 15, 20 years are lacking because it's very corporate. It's more so corporate these days than like the like traditional fans, because most of the season ticket holders, they sell half their games for 200 bucks per seat. Um, once it gets like to the play- <laughs> yeah. And once it gets to the playoffs, there it's a bit more of the diehards. Um, but I think those bridges they added kind of take more away from it because just like the sound just doesn't resonate throughout the building. The, the environment isn't the same, but it does look good and it does give you a little bit of a different experience watching a game. So, um, I mean, I recommend doing it once sitting in the bridge seats, but it's I would never get like a season ticket up there. I wouldn't even dream of it. And they're actually pretty highly priced, too, considering you're pretty much like where Sharky was looking down when he got stuck <laughs> in like in the tank. So. Yeah, you know, it's but in terms of Seattle, I, I mean, I'm excited to have a team there. I've always argued Seattle's a pretty good sports city. Um, I've got a ton of experience with Seattle because majority of my family lives there. Um, so I love going out there and I can't wait to actually go out there for a game um, some point. Hopefully it's, it's the Sharks. Uh, Aaron, yeah, it's it's. Oh, I was just going to ask, Puckeye, I mean, did you did you see any kind of um, fan experiences that might have differed from the previous key arena i mean did, did you feel that there were any compromises made kind of like msg kind of had to make in their renovations no, I, I i think they did a pretty good job of course with the roof it's kind of tough to squeeze it in uh and then on one end is the entryway that they have all the escalators and the stairs to get downward into the bowl a little bit quicker and the other side it's a flat wall and i don't know if you saw if they showed it on the broadcast where the uh, there it's a window. Uh, I know I'm, I'm pretty sure I posted it on, on our Instagram and I think I posted it on our Twitter uh, where you could see the full on ice and they call it, I think they call it like a tight wad garden or, or, or something where you could practically see in there uh, on there, but it's, it's a nice facility. I mean, I think you, you, they have room to improve on it too, but it's really nice. Um, might be a little difficult to get around here and there, but um, I, I will say this: I'm drinking out of the the cup uh, that I used tonight. This was ten dollars, and you got to refill all the time. So I'm I think I'm like my fourth cup of Pepsi here. So uh, when when we wrap things up, and I I, I think we're headed to the uh, Tightwad Terrace. That's it. Thank you, Gen X. Um, but uh, you know, this is nice. Some of the food, yeah, a little pricey, but uh, you know, it's it's definitely good. I'm definitely gonna be back there for sure, no time. Uh, but it's nice. Yeah, I mean, it, and everything was like self checkout. I don't know if you've been to like a Safeway where they have the self checkout kiosk where you scan everything. Um, of course, they use that Amazon technology in some of the places, especially downward in the bowls. Uh, so there's that. The the store was jam packed, but had a ton of stuff. I would say it's probably, uh, I probably say like three times, four times, uh, the size of the of the shark store. Oh, but they had a ton of man. registers flowing through, and they had sales all over the place tonight, uh, like with uh, all the pucks and shirts that say inaugural season on it. So. Uh, still contemplating whether or not I should get a Kraken jersey. Um, we'll see. 
we'll see. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it definitely a great experience, uh, and hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully it'll uh, it'll be uh, just as good coming back. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think with the <laughs> amount of the comments, <laughs> obviously not a fanatics experience, right? No, no, it's not a fanatics. Experience. You know what? I'll be honest. I don't think I saw a whole lot of, of uh, fanatics stuff in there except for the <laughs> replica jerseys uh, there. And like maybe the name and number T-shirts, um, you know, uh, Felix saying, where does climate pledge arena rank for arenas even thus far it's a brand new arena so it's going to be a little bit biased but getting in and out of of food and merchandise um it's pretty top-notch they have uh, nice bars with large screens so you don't walk around and don't know how much time is left till the intermission is over or what's going on in the game um it's really cool uh, I, I I am hesitant to say that it's better than the Shark Tank because I know the Sharks want to improve the building over the next, you know, 20 years. But uh, this would be a good place to start. That's for darn sure. Back yeah. to you, Landy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think the SAP Center's definitely got a lot of legs left. It's just it needs to now we're, we're in that part where you, you start to have to look at foundational changes or layout changes or, or, or things maybe a little bit beyond the scope of the face lifts that have happened. Um, because I think we've seen, we've seen some images of SAP with some cracks and in the concrete. And, and I think we've seen, uh, you know, other spaces where we feel, you know, could be improved upon. Um, and I know concessions has always been uh, an area that has backed up and, and, you know, those lines just swallow parts of the concourse, you know? So I think definitely some more organization could be used in SAP. Um, and, and, and again, I think Puck guy brings up a good, good point. You know, you can look to Seattle as, as the model to how to, to do a, a nice, um, well, total renovation. Really. It's, it's going to be very similar to the, um, to the MSG uh renovations that we talked about with mark uh what, what's going on here puck guy i see something about aj getting ready to save some money for jersey <laughs> oh that's all i'm gonna say people save money for jerseys uh so yeah um so. puck guy i mean we, we we've we've picked this carcass clean i think and and really for the for the initial gut reactions for the end of the season mark too i mean Guys, what more do you want to leave it off on and, and where, you know, what, what kind of outlooks are we having going into next season? Because I, I I still see a lot of uh, rough waters ahead. Um, yeah, I, I think you have to hope they get a, a difference maker in the draft. Um, I mean, maybe we'll get our one moment of luck and win the lottery. Um, you know, it's... I, I am more optimistic with I, with certain things. I think we've got some core players to build around. Timo Meyer, Hurdle, they're both great players. I think they're both, well, we have to extend Meyer next year. But right now, they're both on reasonable contracts for their production. But I think the franchise needs to 
really commit to what they're saying. If you want to, you want to win, then you got to make some moves. Um, and they're not afraid to spend to the cap, so that's not an issue. It's a matter of freeing up some of the cap. And um, you know, you hope you hope some of the development happens. I think. We've seen glimpses with Bordalo, which is exciting. Uh, we saw some early glim- glimpses with Eklund. Who knows what he'll come back from uh, Sweden as. But, you know, there there are bright spots there. And I think our goaltending situation is looking pretty good for next year. But they they really need to make changes. If they come back with this roster next year, no one is going to be convinced they're going to the playoffs. No one. Um, they need to make changes. And I don't know what that's going to be. Um, but I think the first move is getting that GM and then kind of figuring it out from there. Um, so I'm really interested to see that and then kind of building and snowballing down from that. What happens? You know, for me, it's the GM and the draft. Those are the two big things coming up um, that as a Sharks fan, I'm excited for. And then free agency obviously happens after that. But free agency can only be as exciting as the cap space you have available. And a lot of bad moves are sometimes done on free agency date. So. Draft and GM. That's what my eyes are focused on, and I think that will kind of set in motion what we're going to see for next year with our team. Well, Puck guy, last thoughts on the on the carcass that is this season? Uh, there wasn't much on the carcass in the first place. Let's be honest here. Uh, the The thing is, is that you know I, I agree with Mark with the goaltending. Goaltending's there. Defense could be better. You need to get some goal scoring five on five and power play. Um, you, you need to make that happen. That's where those one goal losses become one goal wins. And you're not going into overtime where at one time they were six and oh, they were six and oh in overtime, six and oh in overtime. And and I think they like lost nine out of their last 10 in overtime, not counting the shootouts. I mean, that's that's a tough one to, to, to swallow, uh, Indy, because let's be honest, nine points. I mean, you're 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 giving yourself a chance still in March and, uh, you know, it's tough. But here, here's the, th- the next question. Connor Bedard's going to be out there in, in 2023. Or, you know, um, <laughs> I mean, just just putting that out there to talk about a, a, a potential game changer for a kid. Yeah, I could handle another season like this if it resulted in him. <laughs> oh, my God. Would he change the franchise? Yep. And to throw in what what currently is here and, and you hope that those will be set pieces that that. Uh, and can have and down the road. Yeah, that'd be a big one. But that's a tough one to shake because you have um, and shout out to Mike Lee at let's go sharks.com. You're losing people. You know, he was a 30 year season ticket holder for the sharks and you're losing people right now. And there are a bunch of others that are like, you know what? You haven't shown me much improvement. You haven't shown me, you know, where you're going and you say you're not rebuilding. How am I supposed to spend uh, hard-earned money to be a season ticket member? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you leave it with that. I think that's that's kind of how we go into this offseason with it being murky and, and with the, the GM search in full tilt. Um, a, again, this is a team that needs to re-lock and load in the ops department, so to speak, you know, and it's a, it's a team that needs to 
figure out its identity and figure out its pathway and it needs to do it pretty quickly in, in, in short order um, yeah because the off season does go quickly um Puck, I wanted to go over one quick comment that we got from our previous show because I you know we've been teasing having people's comments on the show from previous shows and I think this one was pretty funny good game sharks uh, this one's from Mr. Sevi per 03 good game sharks your team looked really good last night this is against uh, the oilers uh always give our oilers a rough go i also admire your passion as fans you have so many other pro sports to pick from most of us canadians grew up playing shimmy on outdoor rinks in minus 20 okay might as you might as well paint the picture for us of of uh <laughs> you know backyard ice hockey and hockey is our only pro sport that we have multiple teams across the cfl doesn't count Sorry, Puck guy. Oh, jeez. Uh, he says, P.S. F you. We are not all related in Alberta. He did catch that <laughs> comment. Ha <laughs> ha. And someone give Puck guy an espresso. LOL. Because he, uh, he looked at you and, and thought you needed some coffee there, bud. I, well, cons- like, again, I was up since 3.30 yesterday and worked and then get out on a plane to Seattle and, and do everything there. Um can, can we not insult Edmontonians? That whenever we do a game with against the Oilers, it's always good numbers, Landy. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'll be honest, I, I'm quite jealous of a ba- of a outdoor rink in the backyard. I mean, I would love to have that in the Bay Area, but you know, you but without the it, cold, it, yeah. <laughs> I could do I, without I, minus I, twenty. I, I could do without shoveling snow, you know. So. <laughs> Right, Mark? <laughs> oh, I love it. I mean, Ian with I, mean the I, I, I love the winter. It, so, hey, I don't know. <laughs> hey, if it's coming from an, if it's coming from another Canadian, you know it can't be wrong, okay? Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, Ian. Oh. It puts a whole, it puts a whole new meaning to experience Regina. Oh wow! All right, <laughs> Puck guy. Um, anything else you want to cover before we? end this thing up i mean we're we're breaching almost an hour and a half so gotcha well we'll just get through the bunch of thank yous at at the very end if you don't mind but uh a uh, great experience here in seattle uh g- glad to have done it thank you amanda for setting this up for my late birthday gift uh can't wait to get back here for another game and hopefully see a shark score a goal so uh that's what I'll say for now, and I'll give it back to you, Lady. <laughs> well, we'd like to thank all of our listeners and viewers this season. We know it's been tough. We know it's been a slog, but you've been through, uh, you know, through it with us, and uh, we appreciate it. Um, we're growing, and we're getting bigger and better things. So we co- we hope to come back at you. Well, we don't hope to come back at you. We will come back at you next season, bigger and better, and. Uh, We'll have some new things on the horizon as well. We've got some content scheduled for the off season, so start marking your calendars down for draft day recaps, for free agent frenzy, Canada Day. You know it. We'll 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 be there. One, you know, Puck I or I will will pull out the computer and start the stream. You know we'll be there for you, Teal family. <laughs> Okay, well, let's go ahead and wrap it up with, in case you've 
missed us and you'd like to check us out again or if it's your first time checking us out check us out across all of the podcast platforms that being the apple the apple podcast store uh the google play store the youtube rewind soundcloud spotify TuneIn, in iheart radio and of course all of that and more at tealtownusa.com puck guy do you want to take us out in grand tradition well, let's let's let Mark say his final thoughts first, dude. <laughs> Poor uh, Mark. No, 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 no. It's all good. Uh, no, my final thought is, I mean, just look out for some stuff on the draft. I'm going to start doing all my studying now. I mean, I've been following the guys um, that are eligible throughout the year, but now is when my homework really starts. So um, I'll be doing that. I'll write something up, obviously, for the website. So definitely tune in for that. And then... Uh, Playoff hockey. It sometimes it's more enjoyable when your team is not uh, giving you stress every night. So I guess I'll just try and enjoy every series that's going on. But that's right. it for me. Thanks everyone for watching, and then thank you guys obviously for having me. Oh, we we appreciate the the appearances and the hard work and you know everything that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, you know we we try to bring all of that for for the viewers, and it's awesome to to connect with fans and and um contributors across the u.s so it's always been a pleasure to have you aboard okay all right uh you know it this is it for us uh for after dark of course like we said we will be back with a bunch of content i i know i Ian's already telling us to do our brackets. Maybe we'll do a bracket show. I know Pucknologists will be back on Sunday night to uh, give their final thoughts on the 31st season in Sharks franchise history. Uh, maybe even talk about which former Shark employee they're rooting for in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, you're going to have all that going on. But yeah, just do yourself a favor. Hit subscribe down below. Hit that notification bell. That'll notify you when we do go on the air because there will be times where we will break news. We will have we'll have some fun. We're not going anywhere. Okay. As much as as much as there's not going to be a whole lot to talk about here and there, but we will be here when there is something to talk about. Uh, so, Mark, thank you for for uh, doing the great job that you've done now get to work on your draft stuff <laughs> uh landy thank you so much for letting me have nights off uh we all need those <laughs> I, uh, let's be honest there have been times where my nights off actually happened on the air too so let's be honest here uh dana you've been a great addition i know you've already gone to bed but you know thank you for jumping in ryan as well uh, joining us, Al, I know you, you took off to Atlanta and now you're back. Uh, thank you for doing what you did, you know, as well. Felix, I see you in the chat. Um, you know, thank you for, for hanging in there, giving me all the information and yes, hockey should be for everyone. Uh, you know, jerk, you know, you, you've calmed me down sometimes when there are, there are times where I'm just so pissed off at the Sharks, uh, you know, so much. He walks us off uh, the ledge. <laughs> That's yeah. for sure. AJ also giving me, you know, time so I'm not having to bring in a computer to Climate Pledge Arena tonight to GIF. Uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, you've done a lot for for all of this. And, uh, you know, this is a passion project for all of us. 
you know, I appreciate each and every one of you that that tunes into this because it's it's tough. You know, this is a grind, and especially when when the season is as frustrating frustrating as it is, um, you know, it, it's never easy. Uh, and uh, but the most important part is for you, the viewer. You know, and, and Ian, you put up with a bunch of my my crap through a bunch of after darks. I think there was like one time. I think we went like twelve shows in a row. You know, so be on the lookout for that, Kevin. Uh, you're a Cuda guy. I can't wait for you uh, to get get on the Cuda uh, banter here and there. So I think I caught everybody. So to all the viewers, thank you very much for watching. Uh, we're not going anywhere. Hang in there. We got some playoffs to talk about. We got a draft to talk about. We got free agency, a GM, maybe a coach, new players. We're just getting started, folks. So thanks for watching. And until next time and next season, keep it real, keep it teal, keep it real teal. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night.